brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey, Hannah. Mary. Oh, my God. I am so excited to tell you this. What? Oh, my God. We have a new sponsor this week. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, you won the lottery. No, no. This is even better. Oh, this okay. Is better. We have an actual sponsor. Anchor. Anchor sponsoring us. That's amazing. I I'm know. so excited. I know. So cool. Well, big shout out to Anchor, who hosts and sponsors our podcast. I know. It was so freaking easy for anyone who doesn't know. We went to Anchor. We set up our account. They walked us through each and every step. So freaking easy. Oh my God. I loved it. So for those of you who aren't aware, Anchor is an all-in-one platform where you can create, distribute, and monetize your podcast for free. For free. Our favorite word. Free. Free, free, free. Free for you. Free for me. Woo! What's better than free? Nothing. So with Anchor, you can do everything you need right on one website. You create, you record, you can edit, add your music, add your cover art, you name it, Anchor can help you do it. I know, because then once we're done with all of that and everything is complete, we just set up our distribution schedule, we tell it when we want to publish it, and Anchor publishes it for us automatically to multiple platforms. See, what could be easier than that? The awesome thing is they also help us find sponsors for our podcast so that we can be, well, you know, money makers. Money shakers. <laughs> so they have it all from start to finish. And they've made it incredibly easy, which is great if you're like us and you need a lot of help. I know. So, hey, guys, hang on. Just put your running shoes on. Hop on over to anchor.fm and start your own account and join us having fun. 
Thanks, Anchor. Bye. Are we ready to do this, ladies? We're always, always ready. ready. Ready, 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 Listen, ready. Even when we're not ready, we fake it. Yes. Don't be saying that out loud. Some of us don't have to fake it. Some of us are always ready. What are you waiting for? Come on in. This podcast may contain graphic content and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, girls. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, welcome. Welcome to Murder, Mischief, and Moscato. It is lovely to have you here with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for spending some time. Woohoo! I'm Hannah Green. I'm Mary Swartz. I'm Lynn Samuels. We are three real-life sisters who bring you murder, mischief, mayhem, paranormal, mischief. Did I say that already? Yes. Well, sometimes we bring them a lot of mischief. We're all you need. That's all you need to know is we are all you need. And adult beverages. Always. Yes. Because sometimes you just need an adult beverage to wash it down with. I know. What adult beverage are we uh, consuming today, ladies? Oh, well, today we have some lovely apple tea with more than maybe a small shot of fireball whiskey in it. So we're drinking some, some adult Apple cinnamon tea. It's good for us. I mean, nice. it's like really good for us. It's green tea, so it's really good for us. Healthy, healthy. healthy. Cinnamon, super healthy. Green tea, yeah. super healthy. This is just, it's, it's a healthy. Some cardamom in here. That would be good. Cardamom. Cardamom. We should add some cardamom. Good idea. Always. I would so, agree. Today oh, yes. is March 2nd. March 2nd. Already. Oh my God. Yes. You know what this yeah. means, ladies? What does that mean, ladies? March 2nd means spring is almost here. Not soon enough for me. Is it kayaking weather yet? I don't know. I'm already looking forward to opening the shack up and moving up there. Sitting on the river? Hell yeah. We can record from there? Hell yeah. Sit up there and do puzzles? Hell yeah. Drink a bottle of wine? Or two or three or 14? Sit out by the fire? Sit out. Sit out by the fire and play cribbage. Oh, yeah. Backgammon. Yeah. Done it all. Yeah. Cards. 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 Yes. And when when Lynn comes to visit, we can go for a little stroll and see if we can find another snake. Yes. Crawdads. Crawdads. Turtles. Kayaking. Yeah. More kayaking. Alligators. More kayaking. So I have to tell you, Larry and Drew are starting their own podcast called Red Can, Blue Can. They're starting your own podcast, Red Can, Blue Can. Drew was actually over here and they were like practicing. They practice? Yeah. What kind of craziness is that? Yeah. Their thought is this summer that they will record up north and they will just pull people off the river and interview them right there. Give them a beer and interview them. This is fantastic. So we can just walk up a little ways, jump in the river, float down, and then they'll pull us out and interview us. And we can just keep doing that over and over and over. They'll give us a lot of beer or wine. Yes. Oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. We can get all drunk up and go on their podcast. Pretend we don't know. Can we use accents? Hell yes. You can use anything you want. Fun. I like it. Yeah. 
I'm going to come up with some fake names, some accents, and some weird stories. Oh, ooh, I like it already. Yeah, Lynn's good at that stuff. Yep. Awesome. Cool. I'm from D Kitty, Kitty Joe Creek. I was born on the banks of Kitty Joe Creek. Mama Literally. always called me precocious. Literally. Precocious. My mama was prodded hunting when she went into labor. Yeah. But we was all hungry, so she just kept on going. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, one time I wanted a kitty cat and I found one out in the wild and I brought it home. Woo wee, mama's not happy with that kitty cat. It was black and white and it smelled something fierce. It was love scented. Hannah's <laughs> holding her head. <laughs> okay, she's really just holding her face together right now. We actually have a place called Kitty Joe Creek up here. And every time yeah. we drive past it and I see the sign, I use that accent and make up a new story about Kitty oh, Joe. That's awesome. So that yeah. is awesome. Yep. I love that. The boy who I liked my first kiss. Talk about that. Yeah. I, was, I had to hold him down. He wasn't so interested, but he wasn't getting away from me. I was speechless. Yeah, I could see that. I know. It's awesome. All Let's right. Let's get to some real things, though. Uh, this right. day in history, 1995. On All the right. Serious side. Fermilab, a research yeah. center in Illinois, they announced the discovery of the top quark. That is the sixth so, and most massive quark, the final quark that they have found. Quark? Quark. Q U A R K. Quarks are actually the building blocks. You guys thought atoms were like the building block of everything. That's what we learned in protons, neutrons. So I have a question. Yes. You said fart jokes aren't professional, but quark jokes are? Yes, very, very. Because they're everywhere. Everything is a quark. Everything you can see, touch, smell, taste, it's a quark. There are six of them. Okay. There is up down, charm, strange, top, and bottom. And everything's made up of quarks. So atoms aren't the smallest. Atoms are actually made of protons, neutrons, and electrons. Protons and neutrons are made of quarks. That's a lot of science for my brain. It is, I mean, but it's like, cool. That's a lot of science for my brain. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm a geek and I love quarks. I've loved quarks since I took my biology class and learned about them. Does your husband know that you love quark? He knows that if a quark shows up at the door, that you know that's my my hall pass or whatever they call that. Is that what they call it? A hall pass? This we're gonna call it a hall pass. Okay. Yeah. Brennan says I'm full of quarks. We could have told him that you're full of a couple other things too, but that's really the point. I just think I'm kind of quarky. <laughs> Johanna's still got not much to say. I'm well, just drinking over here. Do you, All right. do, you, do you have a better day in history? You had a better day in history? What's your day in history, huh? We got the quark queen. <laughs> Playing with the queen of quarks. You know, it ain't really hard. <laughs> Joker is the only fool. Who'll do anything for you. Shout out to Juice Newton. Sorry we destroyed your song. <laughs> Hana can't talk right now. <laughs> just waiting for the two of you to be done. We are never done. <laughs> March 2nd, 1904.
kind of like Mercado. <laughs> Theodore Geisel, also known as Dr. Seuss, was born in Springfield, Massachusetts. Famously known for his children's books, Dr. Seuss remains a beloved children's author to this very day. He authored 48 books. Not all of them were for children, though. Many children first learned to read with a Dr. Seuss book. What was the first book you remember learning to read? I don't know. Lynn? I feel like I've always read. I don't think it was Dr. Seuss. I feel like there were these books and it had a dog named Spot and it had a girl and a Dick boy. and Jane. Yeah, Dick and Jane. The okay. first book. The yeah, first we didn't really have Dr. Seuss books at home. I don't know where I acquired it because I did have one. My very first book that I learned to read from front to back was Green Eggs and Ham. I think mom would oh. get free samples because they used to send out sample books. And then if you wanted to order more, you could, because I got a Cinderella book that way, a hardback Cinderella book. Yeah, and this right. was a hardback. Right. This was a hardback Dr. Seuss book. Speaking of green eggs and ham, now that you brought it up. Oh, yeah. no, no, this is horrible. If it's the story of our child. Does it have to do with a teepee? Yes. And it's my what? fault. One day, mom said, what do you want for breakfast? We stayed out in the teepee. Keith used to make a teepee in the backyard. Yeah, we had a teepee in the backyard. I don't remember this. It was kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) Keith did a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, we slept out in it. And uh, mom asked what we would want for breakfast. Which you know uh, she never did. I know, was she never did? Was she drunk? Probably. read the book and said, green eggs and ham. And you guys know I don't eat eggs to begin with. So mom made... Green eggs, green scrambled eggs. And I don't like them to begin with. And then when they're green, oh my gosh, it was It's like, you can't get the concept that it's just a color. You can't get that concept into your brain. Your plate is full of green shit. And the concept of these are going to taste just the same as regular eggs. It doesn't compute in your head as a child. Oh gosh, it was horrible. It's horrible because yes, yes. All right. Anyway, back to Dr. Seuss, the fun dude. So Seuss was actually his middle name, which was also his mother's maiden name. So his name was Theodore Seuss Geisel. Okay. And his mom's maiden name was Seuss. So that's, yeah. Okay. One, One of his very popular books, Oh, the Places You'll Go, was not actually published until 1990. And it was published as an adult book, which is really interesting. Um, I know this is a popular thing to do, and I did it with all of my kids. I bought this book for all of my children when they graduated, and I put it out at their graduation party and asked people to write them messages in it. Right. Anyway, Dr. Seuss passed away in 1991 at the age of 87 years old. Oh. But yes, not all of his books are children's books, despite the fact that that is what he is known as. He is definitely known as a children's author. Yeah. I did. I did read his books to my kids, though. I do remember doing that. Reading them. Yes. 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 I read his books to my children. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. Okay. We're going to talk about Joseph Roy Matheny. Now, is this your story or is this a... a This is is my murder birthday. Oh, oh, I forgot we haven't gotten to that part yet. Because usually we do your birthday first and Lynn jumped the gun. That's okay. It's cool. I just was a little confused as to what we were doing at this point. Joseph was born on March 2nd of 1953. Joseph was an American murderer and a rapist from the Baltimore, Maryland area, despite declaring himself a serial killer and claiming to have killed 13 people, 
Sufficient evidence was only found to convict him of two murders, and research later confirmed three victims. Uh, Joseph Matheny and his known victims were heavily involved with alcohol and the use of hard drugs. Does anybody recognize, recognize the name Joseph Matheny? I don't at all. Okay. So Matheny's attorney said that he had been neglected as a child. His father was an alcoholic who was killed in a car accident when Joe was only six. They also claimed that his mother had neglected her six children while she worked double shifts outside the home. Uh, Matheny falsely claimed as he grew up that his mother was dead. Joseph Matheny was ironically known as Tiny in the 1990s. He was six foot one, large frame, and extremely overweight, like 500 pounds overweight. Oh, wow. He had been spending time in bars, living with bands of homeless men in makeshift camps in South, ba South Baltimore. He spent nearly all of his money on crack cocaine, heroin, and liquor. However, he did have a steady job as a forklift driver, and most people that knew him described him as intelligent, well-spoken, and very well-mannered. Now, on the side, Joseph had a, um, a sandwich stand that he sold sandwiches on the weekends. So Matheny murdered Kathy Ann Magaziner in 1994. She was a 39-year-old woman who had been convicted for prostitution, and he buried her body in a shallow grave on the side of the factory where he worked. The body remained there for more than two years. And Joe later said that he had strangled her and he dug up her skeleton six months after he buried her. He put her head in a box and he threw it in the trash can. So in 1995, a year later, Joseph was tried for murder in a different case. They said he allegedly killed Randall Brewer and Randy Piker with an axe at a homeless tent city campsite under Baltimore's Hanover Street Bridge. The bodies were discovered on August 7th, August 2nd, of 1995. Now, a jury concluded in July that there was insufficient evidence to convict him of murdering Brewer and Piker. But Joseph Messini later said he really was guilty of those murders. Shortly after being released, Messini murdered two prostitutes, although this time he had a better idea for disposing of their bodies. And it seemed that he was now murdering people for sport as much as revenge. Matheny killed Kimberly Lynn Spicer in mid-November 1996 by stabbing her with a knife. He kidnapped Rita Kemper on December 8th of 96, and he attempted to rape her. Kemper said that he attempted to murder her, saying, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls. She escaped through a window of the trailer, and she fled. Matheny then asked a friend to help him bury the body of Spicer, which he had been hiding at the factory site since he killed her a month earlier. Oh, God. The friend reported it to the police on December 15th of 96, and Matheny was arrested and charged with murder the same day. He then began confessing to other murders as well as that of Spicer. He led police to the shallow grave where he had reburied Magaziner's decapitated remains. Much of her skull was missing, but police were able to identify her from mm -hmm. some dental records. So he was tried in 97 of the Kemper case. He was given a sentence of 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault. He was acquitted of the attempted murder. He was sentenced to death in 1998 for the murder of Spicer. And at his sentencing hearing, he said that he committed murders because he enjoyed it. He got a rush out of it, got a high out of it, and really had no excuse other than the fact that I like it. Mm. You gonna throw up yet? This guy is such, ugh. Hold that thought. Keep going. In August of 98, he pled guilty to murdering and robbing Magaziner and 
prosecutor sought the death penalty, although he only received a sentence of life in prison. His death sentence from the previous one was overturned in 2000, and he was and it was reduced to life without parole. The rationale for the death penalty being overturned was that the murder had been committed in committing the had been committed while committing a robbery, but the evidence indicated that robbery was not his motivation. Why the fuck does it matter how and when? He was found dead in his prison cell at the Western Correctional Institute in Good. Cumberland, Maryland, on August 5th of 2017 at the age of 64. Now, here is where the story gets a little sicker. All right, not a little sicker, a lot sicker. According to Joe Matheny himself, instead of tossing them in the river or burying them, Matheny actually brought the bodies home. Oh, God. And there he dismembered them and he stored the meatiest parts of them in his freezer. Oh, he then buried the unusable parts in the lot owned by the company that he worked for. Back home, he mixed the prostitute's flesh with a mixture of pork and beef. He formed it into neat little patties. Over the next several weekends, he would sell these little patties out of the small barbecue stand he opened on the weekend. Oh, my God. On the side of the road. For weeks, unwitting passerbys, truckers, counties would all consume his sandwiches essentially becoming living hiding spots for the bodies of Matheny's victims. Oh, my God. Upon his arrest, Joe Matheny told police that no one had complained about the meat tasting funny. In fact, no one seemed to notice that his burgers had a little something extra in them. Because, he said, the human body tastes very much like pork. If you mix it together, no one can tell the difference. Whenever he needed more meat, Matheny would simply venture out and find another vagabond. And according to his confession, he killed 10 people. Authorities say there's no reason to believe he would have stopped there had he not been arrested. This is a quote from Joe Matheny. The only thing I feel bad about in any of this is that I didn't get to murder the two motherfuckers I was really after. That's my ex-old lady and the bastard she hooked up with, end quote. So happy end birthday to this jackass. Oh, my God. Wow, that's just... Wait, okay. I, have, I have a question. If you, at some point, came across this story, put it all together and realized that you had bought and eaten a burger or sandwich or whatever from there. I'd throw up. I seriously, I mean, just reading it makes me want to go hurl a little. And from the sounds of it, you girls wanted to hurl too. Do you think- It didn't make me feel like running over to Burger King. (laughs) Sorry, Mary. Here's the thing. So say it was three years ago and all of a sudden you put it all together and you realize you bought a burger from this guy. Right. What does that do to your mental Like, I don't know. Mentally, I don't. Oh, my God. Okay. You know what it makes? You know what this makes me think of? Honestly, when you and I were chasing down that barbecue truck last year. (laughs) Because Um, it had such amazing reviews. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? For the record, they may have had really great reviews, and the owner might have been a totally great guy. Unfortunately, the people at the, yeah. Nothing like stopping to get some barbecue and getting told to go in the back and make them a sandwich. Because they're hungry, too. (laughs) Because I'm a woman. Yeah. I don't make the guys up. I just report on their birthdays. Oh, my God. And honestly, the first... Two articles that I read on this guy didn't even bring that into play. Did not even bring that into play. Oh. I had the whole thing written when I found that one. 
For the um, record, I don't know if there's enough alcohol in the world to wash that out of my head if I found out I ate one of his burgers. No, I don't think so. No. I don't know if there's enough therapy in the world to get me past that. We would deal with it. Lynn and Lynn would provide free therapy. And you would she provide even charge you. And you would provide alcohol? Hell yes. I would wash you, douse you, and you would drink. We would cleanse it right out. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. All right. Another, I, one, I another so. one bites the dust, girls. Okay. And then I have I have something. It's not another one bites the dust, but um, it is. All right. A DNA match has helped cold case investigators solve the killing of a San Francisco Bay Area waitress whose body was found in a restaurant's basement bathroom 25 years ago. 26 now. Almost 26. A murder charge was filed by prosecutors against prison inmate Danny Lamont Hamilton, alleging that he drowned Priscilla Lewis during an attempted rape and burglary at the Four Corners restaurant in the city of Crockett on September 24th of 1996. A cook at the restaurant called 911 shortly before 10.30 in the evening after finding her body in the basement bathroom. The cause of death was asphyxia due to drowning. So detectives last year submitted additional evidence to a DNA crime lab and a match came back that linked Hamilton to the crime. Homicide detectives presented the case to the Costa County District Attorney's Office. We've seen a lot of shit come out of Costa County. Yeah, we have. Hamilton was charged with murder. He is serving... A life sentence at a state prison near San Diego after being convicted of a sexual assault charges, which are unrelated to Lewis's death. A cousin of Lewis who grew up with her in the nearby town of Port Costa said her slaying haunted him for years because Troy was across the street at the bar drinking and he had actually seen her on her break. And the next morning he went to the store to get something to drink and a friend said, you heard about her? He added, it's been a long process. It's been very tiring emotionally and physically, but the family never gave up. Good. So, yes. Paraded DNA. This asshole got arrested for killing a woman. He had no business laying his hands on. All right. I've got a story for us. Now, this is not a, and another one bites the dust. But as soon as I came across this, I thought, 
Holy shit, I have to share this. Okay. Mary, this will sound so familiar to you. All right. And to our listeners who have faithfully listened. Okay. A man became trapped in a chimney while allegedly attempting to enter a Maryland home. Oh my God. This happened in January of this year. A family in Silver Springs, Maryland received an unfortunate surprise when they discovered a stranger was trapped inside their chimney while he had been attempting to get into their home. Now this 24 year old man was wedged inside the chimney for at least four hours before firefighters were able to rescue him. What a shame. Now he has um, he had fourth degree burglary charges set against him and it's possible that that could change and and be upgraded and, and various things now okay. his, his identity when i as i of recording this has not been released okay on january 8 2022 around 3 a.m the homeowners called 911 to report a pounding or a knocking knocking sound coming from somewhere inside their home that would be so bizarre honestly because you wouldn't look in the chimney no you wouldn't suspect the chimney Right. And if your chimney is anything like mine, it goes directly, it goes all the way through to the basement. So you really don't know where it's coming well, from. Well, yours is on an outside wall. Right. The house we grew up with, the chimney goes through the middle of the house. That is true. So that probably also would play into what the hell is going on. Right. Oh, yeah. Because that chimney went all the way to the basement too. Right. And there was a fireplace in the basement yeah. as well. So you, yeah. Oh. So authorities responded to the call, but they didn't find anyone after they searched the house. So can you imagine you wake up, it's three o'clock in the morning, you hear this bizarre noise, you think someone's in the house, you call 911. Right. They can't find anybody. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then the residents called police again about two hours later, around 530, and they reported, it's still happening. We can still hear it. I have to question why the cops didn't hear it, honestly. Maybe the guy stopped when he because was a he cop. Knew the cops were there. Right. Okay. So the call was originally sent out to the police officers as a residential burglary call in progress. So the cops responded. It kind of was. The cops responded and they heard a human voice coming from inside the fireplace. It's not Santa Claus, honey. Santa's a little late this year. <laughs> Two dozen firefighters were called to the scene. Now, I don't understand what, can you imagine trying to put two dozen firefighters here in your living room? Why two you Two dozen. Why? Because you got a burglar stuck in the chimney? Two dozen. So the firefighters spent more than an hour removing the wall and the bricks around the chimney before they were able to rescue the suspect who was not authorized to be there. Duh. So there are actually videos and photos that were posted online showing the firefighters breaking the wall down brick by brick until the man's feet show up. And then another video shows the, the suspect being taken away in an ambulance. So he was successfully extracted from the chimney around 7.30 a.m. And then he was taken to a trauma center where he was treated. Now, he was not immediately charged. He was taken to the hospital and then the charges were filed like the next day. If I am the homeowner, I am really hot under the collar at this point. Because like I, I've had to destroy my chimney for you. Yes. And not only that, I'm assuming that someone who's a, a burglar who's stupid enough to try to go through a chimney is probably not got a lot of money. 
So who's paying for the repairs on the house? Because I, I bet that's hopefully your homeowner's insurance is going to cover this. You want to explain do that to your know? homeowner's insurance agent? I well, would. Yeah, I don't mind that, but do they cover Hi, the from State Farm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cover this. Because God, yeah, if you're paying, here's the thing. He's so pissed. The guy is actually lucky they were home. Yes. Because yes. had they not been home, had they not been home, who knows how long it would have been before this guy was actually discovered. It's insane. And let's be real. You and I come home. We've been gone on vacation for a week. We smell a weird smell. You we think, think it's you a think dead animal. animal died. Yeah, you think you're going to wait a few more dead. days. The smell gets worse. Maybe eventually you decide to call somebody. I mean, uh, yeah, not the first story we've covered about someone stuck in a chimney. However, at least this one had a slightly more successful ending. Public service announcement. I hope that I don't need to share this with any of our listeners, but in the event that any of our listeners are considering entering any building for any reason through a chimney, don't do it. They get skinnier as they go deeper. And I don't think I've read too many people who have successfully gotten down a chimney and, you know. Nope. Nope. Oh. No. Well, first of all, people assume that the chimney just drops straight down. It gets narrower. It does. There's a flue in there. So if the flue is closed, you're not going through anyway. Even if the flue is open, I don't think you're going through because the flue no. is open. No, no. Mostly it not. It lets the smoke go. So yeah, PSA to all of our listeners, Don't please do, do not enter any home, even your own, through a chimney. It is a very, very bad idea. You are likely to end up stuck. Stuck. Yeah, I would be dead. pissed off too. I would be. I'd be pissed off too. All right. So like I said, not really another one bites the dust, but at the same time, felt the need to share that. Yeah, I wouldn't call it another one bites the dust, but it definitely, um, yeah, some things need to be shared. He kind of bit the dust though. Or the brick. Ash. He so bit the ash. Smoke. I'd have lit a fire in the chimney or in the in the fireplace. If I was a homeowner. Oh yeah. I, I think once they got him out, I would have kicked his ash. <laughs> Let's turn back the time of the hands of hey, time, ladies. You know what? What? If it'd been your uh your your happy on birthday dude, could have smoked him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, over 500 pounds, he's not fitting in the chimney to start with. No, 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 not, not him. The, if, if it, if it had been his house, he could have just smoked the dude and then served him to his customers. Oh, Hannah, no. Too, no. too soon? Too soon. Too soon? Let's turn back the hands of time, girls. Let's. Let's go back to July. Turn back time. If you think I'm editing that out, you're wrong. <laughs> Share, sorry. If I could turn back time. <laughs> she has the best faces, too. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We're you should see my, my, my pants so you can see my butt. Well, let's see them. We're waiting. She's not wearing any pants. Are you not wearing pants? I, I'm not. I'm not. We're not I, either. Excellent. No mas pantalones. Sure. The group of no pants girls. 
could change the name of the podcast. I'm say it'll be our next career when this one dies. Murder Moscato in no, no pants. pants. <laughs> Three girls with no pants. Name of the podcast. Are we wearing any pants today? All right. Let's turn back the hands of time to July of 1932. Hey, Lynn. Yes, ma'am. You know, that's a little formal. You can call me Hannah. Yes, Hannah. Hannah. Let me try this. Yeah, Hannah. What were you doing in 1932? Well, in my previous life, I was I was a courtesan. <laughs> yeah, really. And I believe in 1932 I was working at the Bucking Bronco Saloon. <laughs> Bucking Bronco, it's how the list was won. Bucking Bronco, a blast for everyone. Lift up your spirits. I think about that time I was into my seventh year, so I was a little bit weary. Long in the tooth were you? I was, I was a bit long in the tooth. I didn't last much longer. It was soon to be the end. Oh boy. All right, girls. Yes. Let's um, let's meet twenty-year-old Sylvia Wilson. She was a nice girl. Um, oh, nice girl. She was a nice girl. We've all heard about I've those. Heard nice, of them. I was gonna say we've all heard about those nice girls. Sylvia had just met the man of her dreams. He was thirty-two-year-old Thomas Sherwood, and this handsome prince was everything Sylvia could have ever dreamed of. You know him, Lynn, right? Of Sherwood Forest, heck yeah. Hung out with Robin Hood. <laughs> he was a highly successful Los Angeles stockbroker. He showered her with flowers, gifts, and he absolutely adored her. Now, Sylvia was no slouch herself. She was a beautiful young woman with a very creamy, clear complexion, dark, luminous eyes that sparkled with just a little bit of mischief, and she kept her brown wavy hair shorter than other young ladies her age. The great distance between the two homes was really of little importance. When Tommy was back home working, the two just sent love letters to each other on a nearly daily basis. Did Tommy work on the docks? Tommy used to work on the docks. <laughs> right. All right, we got very few Jesus Christ. Episodes over, it's been great. Talking to you guys today. <laughs> and while they were unable to see each other often, they were able to spend a good amount of quality time together. Oh, you know what quality time means? Tommy, some quality time. Tommy would either drive his shiny top of the line Ford coupe up to see Sylvia, or if he's more pressed for time, he would simply hop a flight to Seattle. And then three months after they met, Tommy Sherwood was so head over heels in love with Sylvia that he decided to pop the question and without hesitation and with her parents' approval, Sylvia agreed to marry Tommy. You see, Sylvia's parents were both elated that her daughter that their daughter had found herself such an amazing catch. What she could never have foreseen was that such a seemingly unimportant event would take place in Redondo Beach, California, which lies about a thousand miles to the south. And that seemingly unimportant event would forever change the trajectory of her life. Now, 
It all began with a very small advertising that was run on page three of the October 14th, 1932 publication of the Redondo Reflex. It read, notice of meeting, it's a regular meeting of board of trustees of Redondo Beach City School District for October will be held at superintendent's home, 559 Avenue A, 7 p.m. Monday, October 17th. Okay. Pretty meaningless, right? School board meeting. Gotcha. Yeah, big deal. But I don't know as I'm telling people where I live, just I guess maybe I guess back then. Nineteen thirty-two. Nobody. Yeah. Thirty-two. Nineteen thirty-two. Yeah. So most board of education meetings are really kind of boring. They're essential, but boring. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discussion about the really important things like finances and staffing and yada, 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 but rarely does anything occur that is earth shattering at a board meeting. I don't know. I've heard Harper Valley PTA. It's a song. It's a true story. Says so right in the song. I read it on the internet. <laughs> this particular meeting of the board was no different. In attendance were Superintendent Elliot B. Thomas. He was board president. C.C. Cribs, secretary. Charles Piermont and board member George Strait. Oh, I know George Strait. In 32, I'm not sure this is the same one. Might have been his granddad. Perhaps the only unusual part of this meeting was the fact that Superintendent Thomas's wife, Olive, she served dinner to all, which didn't normally happen. Well, that was very, very kind of her. I wonder if she got it from my shop. Around 7.40 p.m., a matter was brought up for discussion that required a little paperwork that Thomas had to go back to his office to retrieve. Okay. So he agreed to make a quick trip over to the school to get those documents. With his office only a few blocks away, he would be back at the board meeting in absolutely no time. Right. No time. But Thomas didn't come back to the board meeting. He never returned. Hmm. The other board members became a little alarmed. Olive actually telephoned his office about 10 o'clock, but there was no answer. So about 15 minutes later, the board members said, this is a long ass school board meeting. No shit. So about 15 minutes later, the board members decided they're gonna walk a few blocks to his office to see what's going on. When they arrive, they found Thomas's Buick sedan parked outside the building, its engine is running. Oh, the headlights are on, but Thomas isn't in the vehicle. In fact, he's nowhere to be found. So they all troop into his office. They switch on the lights and they're pretty shocked by what they see. The place is in complete disarray. Furniture is overturned, curtains were ripped from the windows. A wooden gate was twisted from its hinges and the steam radiator was torn loose from the floor. Wow, that's some shit. A coat that was known to belong to Thomas was found to have been ripped in half along the back and the two pieces were in separate locations on the floor. The office safe had been scuffed and scratched in an attempt to crack it open with a chisel, a hand drill, a flashlight, and a pair of work gloves was lying right there in front of it. Then there were the rubber heel marks that could be seen trailing down the hallway or at the exit as if something or someone had been dragged out against their will. No, that's not good. It was, it was very clear that an incredible struggle had taken place. All the police, investigators come and they believe that Thomas may have walked in on whoever while his office was being burglarized. 
They believed that he had fought with his assailants, and then they believed that he was kidnapped and he was driven away. Now, they also found near the entrance a broken chair that the police believed may have been used to beat Thomas into submission. And the detectives also found a window that had been jimmied, which was probably used by the bandits who were trying to get into the building. But the one thing that they did not find in the office was blood. And they felt that was a really hopeful sign that Superintendent Thomas could possibly have survived have this to, attack. I have to say, the description of all of the, the damage and everything else seems very, very excessive, very violent. violent and um, yeah, the ripped coat in half. I'm thinking the like, radiator yanked out of the floor. I mean, like yeah. this is all, this sounds like a very, very violent. Not only that, but how it, how or why, like I'm trying to imagine a scuffle between two people. Why would a radiator get ripped out? Like it seems weird. Right. To so me. this seems very violent. Is it even the word? Very, very active. Very, what's the word, Lynn? Come on. Involved. So well, the idea, the idea that two people or more could be involved in this scene, one of them being the victim, and there being no blood from any injuries, seems very suspect to me. Yeah, this, this just, yeah, I'm, I'm suspect too. Okay. Because we're just naturally suspicious of everyone, everyone and everything. You know, you go, you, you go to a store and somebody says, hi, how are you today? And your first thought is, what do you mean? What do you want? What do you know? <laughs> Why are you asking? She's pointing a pad. <laughs> like someone was okay. You should right. be like my neighbors and keep posting on next door every time someone who they don't recognize is in our neighborhood or rings the doorbell. We get a lot well, of that. I don't live in there a neighborhood. There was a strange person who rang a doorbell at my neighbor's house and I saw them. Did anybody see anything? I saw a police drive down the road. What's going on? Like that is like five times a day, seriously. Well, <laughs> wow. I don't live in a neighborhood. So if I kept track of all the cars that drive by and the people and the police, I wouldn't even have time to go to work or sleep. I might not even have time to pee. I feel like some of these people have zero (laughs) lives. I'm just like, oh my goodness. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. right. Elliot Thomas was a well-respected member of the Redondo Beach community. So police felt that he was, you know, it was unlikely that he was personally singled out for this attack. Everybody seemed to really like him and respect him. I have a question. How long had he been in the area? Was he well established? Did people know him for a long time or was he a newcomer? We're going to talk about that. Okay. 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 He was a graduate of Laverne College. He did his postgraduate work at the University of Southern California. And like many administrators, he began his career as a teacher. Okay. In his case, he started in the Burbank City Schools and he became an elementary principal there. And then he served as principal of Burbank's John Muir Junior High School. Okay. And finally, in 1929, he was appointed to the superintendency of the Redondo Beach Schools, which placed him in charge of 1,300 students. Okay. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. 
And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. So definitely not really a newcomer. No. He was uh, in charge of four school buildings and all the staff that came with it, except that now he was missing. And as expected, the search for Thomas began immediately, right away. Residents of neighboring homes were questioned, Nobody had seen or heard anything out of the ordinary. Classes the following day were canceled and an estimated 150 school people, like the the staff, students, students and staff, okay. because even students help with this, helped search the area for any sign of him with the possibility that he may have been murdered. Police kept a constant watch on the coastline in case his body should wash up on the shore. All the vacant homes in the area were searched. Investigators questioned those with known criminal history, but after two days of searching, there were only two things that they knew. Okay. First is his wife, Mrs. Thomas, was a complete emotional wreck. And the second thing was, is that they had yet to uncover a single clue as to what happened to him. Well, clearly, if if something like this happened to your husband, given the evidence and the circumstances, the average person would, of course, be an absolute wreck. Yes, as a wife, yeah. The three of us would just be like, what the fuck did he do? Where the hell is he? Bring him home. Come on. Bitch. I'm going to kick his ass. Find him and bring him home because I'm going to beat him. And he's not going to like it this time. <laughs> you don't need to take the handcuffs off. Okay. Well, all of that, not actually correct. While investigators were unable to uncover further information regarding Thomas as a possible kidnapping or murder victim, The pieces of the puzzle were actually coming together to create an entirely new scenario. Okay. On Thursday, October 20th, 1932, the night Captain Norris Stenlins of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department announced, we have evidence now that Thomas met with no robbers when he went to his office Monday night and that he was neither kidnapped nor killed. We are satisfied he went away on his own volition, although we do not know why nor do we have any idea. The case is a complete mystery. Olive Thomas, his wife, does not believe her husband would have done any such a thing. She actually said that there was no motive. He had no problems, no worries of any kind. Okay. By that time, it had become clear to investigators that Elliot Thomas, he did have some worries. They learned that he had lost a large sum of money in the stock market in the middle of the Great Depression. 
And they learned that his life was insured for $20,000, which today is over $385,000. A lot of money. That's a lot of money. But it's hard to collect without a body. 1932, I don't know if the rules were the same. Okay. I don't. That's fair. I don't. That's fair. Yeah. The payment from that policy would have easily erased all of his debts, but then they had to look at the circumstantial evidence that was left behind. The safe cracking tools, they weren't actually strong enough to blow a baby's bank open, much less an office safe. But if you didn't know that. And you were a bad safe cracker? Exactly. You might just take whatever you could get your hands on. Good point. With the assumption that it would work. Good point. That's a really good point. Again, though, it doesn't, the scene didn't fit what happened, so. But sometimes you have to look at a scene and you don't know what happened. So, I mean, then they still don't I know what happened. I understand, but still a struggle. There's a struggle to the point where, like Johanna said, there's a coat. It's ripped in two. Yeah. Not only that, but there's a radiator. And we all know those old-fashioned radiators is pulled out. They're bolted to the floor. Yeah. To pull that out, A, why? Like, in a struggle, what? How do you, yeah. Why would that and even could happen? Could a single person do that on their own? Mm-mm. That's it a lot. Right. No, that means there's more, than, there's more than one assailant. That's Remember, the wooden it. gate is twisted. Remember why? No, why would they even do that? Why would you need to? You're struggling with someone. In what case would you actually even need to pull a radiator out? Maybe somebody fell fell into it. Or he grabbed it holding on, trying to prevent them from taking him. True. But there's two people you pull his hands off. You're pulling him off before you're. No, no. We're saying two people as in one victim, one assailant. Yeah, I'm sorry. But even if there's more than one assailant. No. Right, right, but you know the twisted gate. Like they're just with no blood. I'm just still. I'm still oh, absolutely. That, yeah, he, I'm saying he set this whole thing up. Okay, keep going. All right. So we also know that on the morning of his disappearance, Thomas took his car into the repair shop for urgent repairs. What those repairs were, we simply don't know. Interesting. But if they were that urgent, why was his car left behind? Well, and if they were that urgent and he got his car repaired and back that day, what was the urgency behind it? We don't know that part, but we know that the car was left running with the headlights on right. in front of his office. Right. My point is, so you you take your car in, it needs repairs. It's urgent. That indicates to me that you need your car back right away. Right. And he got his car back. Right. So what was so urgent that he needed his car? I don't know so because that it was he left could drive from the meeting to his office leading. But it was to- mere blocks. That's the weird thing. He's still however, however, if he did, if he sets this up, leaving your car there makes Make it appear that you've been like taken. you've been abducted. Yep. Yep. All right. Okay. Keep going. So while Thomas is at the auto shop, the mechanic noticed that on the back seat of his car was a large bundle covered by a blanket. My very suspicious brain is in massive overdrive right now. Oh, yeah. Hello. Have you not heard us? We're so suspicious at this point. You wake up every morning suspicious. <laughs> what is the sun doing up? Then around three o'clock in that afternoon, the gardener at the school, his name was Jared Jenden, he observed Thomas transferring personal belongings from his Buick into a distinctive maroon colored Ford that had red wire wheels. 
Oh, Jared asked Thomas if he needed any help, but Thomas waved him away. Later, he returned to the schoolhouse and said he was just helping someone. Okay. Why is he driving two cars, and how the hell did the second car get to the school parking lot? And how does nobody else know that he has a second car? Right. Yeah. The fact that Thomas owned a second car really wasn't a secret. Many people, including his wife, were well aware that he had made the purchase of a second vehicle. Why? What was the puzzle? Was that he didn't even own it. He bought it, but he doesn't own it. He doesn't own it. If he doesn't own it, why is he putting his stuff into it? And if he doesn't own it, who does? Who did he buy this vehicle for? This is where the story becomes begins to come for circle, full circle. He's having an affair with his secretary. And young Sylvia Wilson of Seattle comes back into the story. You know, the woman who found her Prince Charming? Yep. Her parents love him. He's amazing. Oh, he's a married douchebag. I thought that was his wife. I thought you were explaining how they met for some reason. I, so did I at first. His wife's name is Olive. Oh. She made the food for the school yes. board meeting. Yes. the name difference. Okay. Gotcha. Elliot Thomas actually sold the car to Sylvia's fiance, Thomas Sherwood. And when not used, Tommy stored the car in a rented garage on South Union Street in Los Angeles. So back in Seattle, seemingly unaware of the events unfolding down in Redondo Beach, Sylvia Wilson and Tommy Sherwood move forward with their wedding plans. A wedding ring is purchased and a bridal gown is purchased. And on Thursday, October 20th, the couple and her parents drive about 125 miles to Kelso, Washington, and they get their marriage license. And I'm assuming that's because there wasn't like a secretary of state in every town. Right. That's what I'm assuming. That's a long way to get a marriage license. And the other question I had when I was writing this is, why did the parents have to go? And why didn't he have to be there? He was. The couple and her parents made the drives. Oh, I. So he was. He was there. Somehow I missed the couple and her parents. Somehow yes. I thought it was just Sylvia and her parents. Nope. It's all four of them. Okay. Afterwards, they all drove back to Seattle where the wedding's going to take place in several days. So shortly after obtaining the license, the couple was visiting at the home of Sylvia's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Vermont Holly Wilson. Okay. And during this visit, a radio announcement came on and started discussing the disappearance of Elliot Thomas back in Redondo Beach. Oh, you know, it just occurred to me. Thomas, Tommy, Elliot Thomas, Tommy Sherwood. Last name, first name. Mm. She's so suspicious. Connecting some dots here. So Tommy Sherwood quickly walks over the radio. He lowers its volume. And Mr. Wilson would later recall that Thomas said the radio was just too loud. The next morning, Mr. Wilson picked up the day's newspaper. And he noticed something very peculiar about one of the pictures. The man who is about to marry his daughter looks remarkably similar to the missing Redondo Beach educator. Do you believe in doppelgangers? Dun, 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 dun. Super far-fetched, but he thought, could Tommy Sherwood and Elliot Thomas be doppelgangers? Or maybe somehow they're twins. First, could they actually be the same person? So the Wilsons figure they're going to ask Tommy because they're holding a prenuptial party that evening. Mm -hmm. So they're going to ask him at the prenuptial party. Which is, you know, nowadays we just call it a party. Did you perhaps figure out that he would be a no-show? Hmm. Hmm, you think? Instead, Sylvia Wilson receives a note that day that 
partly read that he was very sorry and he was on his way back to Renando to make some amends. The truth was that Sherry, Tommy Sherwood and Elliot Thomas were actually one and the same person. Elliot had made, met Sylvia while he was vacationing Seattle. He created the Tommy Sherwood person, persona, he transferred ownership of his car to Tommy Sherwood, and he faked his disappearance so he could leave his troubles behind. He could marry Sylvia and, of course, start a new life. So Captain Stensland requested the police in Washington to find and arrest the missing superintendent, which they did. But since he hadn't actually gone through with the marriage, he couldn't be charged with bigamy. Okay. So as a result, they released him and Elliot Thomas agreed to drive back home and to surrender to the authorities in Redondo Beach. Oh, yeah, because that's going to happen. In a statement to reporters, Sylvia said, it's all over now. All I can say is that I'm very, very sorry for Mrs. Thomas. She was fooled worse than I was. I know I want her to know that I am entirely innocent of trying to take her husband from her. He told me all along that he was single. Surprisingly, Mrs. Thomas was willing to take her husband back. Oh, my God. Well, you remember in 32, women weren't self-sufficient. They weren't. Fucking ridiculous. Your options were limited. I know. She said, I think I still love him. My heart holds no hatred for him, only pity. I'm glad he didn't marry this girl. He's been wonderful for me, to me, for these 12 years, and I don't see any reason why he shouldn't have, I don't see any reason why he should have done this, and perhaps he doesn't know either. If he did that and lied to you, how many other lies has he told you, sunshine? That would be my question, too, but she's not suspicious like you are. (laughs) If you lie to me once, now I'm like, hmm, let me start digging. What else have you lied to me about? She's Susie Homemaker. You're Miss Marple, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he had arrived in Los Angeles on Saturday evening, having had disappeared, if you want to call it that, for less than a week. He voluntarily surrendered. He made a short statement saying, I've made a bad mistake and I'm sorry. But he hadn't actually done anything. Right. What what crime would they charge him with? I mean, because, you know, uh, the destruction of all the property. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do believe that you can be charged for I all the man hours that the police I do. department well, now, put into yes, but you. It, yes, now, but in 1932. Right. We don't know. Okay. Captain Stensland then announced that there probably would be no charges filed against Thomas. The only thing we have against him is breaking a 25-cent gate at the house schoolhouse where he staged his kidnapping stunt, and that's really a minor matter. And my brain says, wait. Who are we? Are we forgetting that somebody had to clean up this mess and they had to replace all these items? Yeah, but the laws were different then. It is true, but my brain, that's how my brain works. Oh, I agree. If there were consequences for his actions, Redondo Beach School Board President C.C. Cripps announced Thomas was automatically suspended under the state school law. Oh, good, because that was actually going to be my next question. Did they let him stay on as superintendent? There will probably be official action on the matter this week when the board can meet. So basically, Thomas either had to resign from his position or they were going to fire him. But Thomas did more than hand in his resignation. That Monday, he admitted to Los Angeles County District Attorney Byrne Fitz that he had actually diverted school funds for his personal use. Oh, shit. They hadn't figured that out. He simply forged the signatures of the Board of Trustees members onto documents, and that released funds for the payments of things like, oh, maintenance work that was never done, Materials that were never purchased, 
And if he kept his mouth shut, he might not have actually gotten caught for any of it. True. Eventually, they probably would have, because I think, yeah, they, but well, Lori, maybe back then they didn't have as much oversight. So never mind on that. Nowadays, right? Oh, yeah. Nowadays, it's different. Oh, yeah. He even used uh, these funds to pay off his debts, to purchase that new car for the airplane flight to Seattle. And of course, he used the funds to shower Sylvia Wilson with all the gifts. So Thomas said, I don't know why I did it. I began to speculate in 1930. Small amounts, it gradually turned into large amounts. I don't remember how many authorizations I forged, probably between $8,000 and $10,000. Wow. And back then, that was an insane amount of money. So if you adjust for inflation, he stole between $154,000 and $193,000 in public money from the school. Right. So... He then handed over what was left of the money, which was $2,600 in cash and $500 in traveler's checks. And he actually accepted all of the blame. Okay, so here's my next question. If you are his wife, are you Anna Duggering this and being like, he's been set up, it's okay, I still love him. Or are you like, fuck off, get a life? I don't think you're doing either of those things, Tom. No, like I don't think you are. Then, divorce was pretty unheard of. Women yeah. weren't set up to take care of themselves. No. If she's got nothing else and nowhere else to go, he's got no other money to support right. her. She's not collecting alimony. Divorce is going to put her on the outs with the community even worse than she already is. I think you suck it up simply because you have zero choice in it unless right. you are way ballsier than most women and remember most women weren't ballsy because it wasn't okay to be ballsy right so it wasn't like now where people just are who they are it was shut down right away so i think that you might not like it but you really don't freaking have a choice but you're thinking with a 2020 brain you're not thinking with a 1932 i know i know and we were raised to be very independent but, but also back in 1932, I mean, we've covered stories of women back 1932 and even earlier than that who had balls and who were independent and who weren't going to put up with this kind of bullshit. But that was a very small minority of women. It, they were yeah. not allowed to be that way. So I think unless you were seriously going against the grain, you didn't act right. that way. Even if you're, even if you were slightly inclined to, as a child, that was, you were taught, no, that's not who you are. That's not socially acceptable. Right. So, yeah. So, Thomas took all the blame. He said that nobody else was involved. He um, stated that he knew he'd be found out eventually. So, he chose to confess to spare his wife any further sorrow. Right. Before being locked up in the slammer, Thomas made one request. He wanted to go visit his nine-year-old daughter, Genevieve who had been staying with other relatives. So they agreed to this. And upon his return, Elliot Thomas was charged with forgery of school warrants and he was placed in the county jail. Unfortunately, by then he had no money remaining for bail, but his wife, Olive, told the press that she was proud of him. She was proud that he had enough courage to return and face what he has to face. She said she was the first one that he told about all of it when he returned to the city. She said that he followed her advice to make a clean breast of everything. She uh, stated that she only wished she had known or suspected what was going on because then the, all the events would never have happened. 
which I, I don't know that her knowledge would have changed anything, honestly. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and I get it. I get it from your perspective. It's the 1930s, but dude, really? So Thomas did, um, he did an interview with the, with the local paper and he basically said he wasn't really sure. He just kind of got carried away. It went haywire. He thought that he would leave all of everything behind the school, the wife. He thought he would just go away, marry this other girl. He basically had plans to kill off him, his original self and to move on. I don't understand how he used to go see this girl without his wife's knowledge. If you travel for business. But he was the superintendent of the school. Yeah, he don't need to travel for business. Do I don't you know. need to travel. Right. That's know. my question. I don't know. I'm going off with the guys. I'm going for a, you know, superintendent retreat for schools to learn how to run them better. There, there could be excuses for, for back in the 1930s. I don't, I don't know, but I, I wondered about that because flight was fairly expensive probably back then. I imagine it wasn't common now, but the school was paying for it. So what the hell? Yeah. No, I get that part of it now, but yeah. Wow. All right. So Thomas originally planned to plead guilty to any charges that they filed against him, but his lawyer said, no, 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 no. That's not how we do things. His lawyer advised him to plead not guilty and to buy himself some time. So that's what Thomas did. And the reason he wanted to buy himself some time was because he was trying to help the county auditor find more of the funds that he had actually stolen because his line of thinking was the more funds that get returned, the less his punishment would be. I don't know. It's going to work that way, but okay. Thomas had actually done such a good job of forging signatures that none of the board of trustee members could actually tell their signatures from his. Oh shit. Yeah. So they actually needed Thomas's help to find out what was stolen. So he's now helping the prosecution bust him. Essentially, but maybe they made a deal with him. Okay. I mean, you help us and we'll lighten your sentence type deal. But if they can't prove it. So while the search was going on for the missing funds, Elliot Thomas was indicted on five counts of forgery that involved the theft of $768.50. Thomas appeared in court and pled guilty to two of the five counts with the agreement that the county attorney would drop the other three counts. And five days later, for two counts of forgery, Thomas was sentenced to a term of 113 years. Oh, my God. Sam Quentin. Oh, my God. I've, I was going the opposite. I'm like, she's going to say hours, and we're going to be like, they let him off. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I know. There's a, there's a happy medium here, people. A happy yeah. medium. Yeah. Dear God, we've heard of murderers who got let off with time served. If he hadn't said anything about committing the forgery, he wouldn't have had anything. Nothing. And they might not have even been able to bust him for what you were saying with no. the, the way he forged stuff. So Thomas began serving his sentence on November 19th of 1932. Sylvia Wilson made it clear that she was not going to wait for him to get out. <laughs> well, he has a wife. Making it very clear that she was actually through with him. Now, according to Ancestry.com, Sylvia would marry four times after that. Well, I imagine that if you went through something like that, you have a hard time trusting. Or you might just have bad taste to begin with, and that was a sign that maybe you're attracted to a guy that's a little... That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go on that. Okay. Sylvia Wilson passed away on November 5th of 2002 at the age of 90. Wow. Now... Mrs. Thomas Wilson, Olive, wasn't waiting for her husband either. Oh. And 10 days after he entered San Quentin, she filed for divorce. Wow. She requested custody of their daughter, Genevieve. And Good. she requested $150 a month in child support. How's he supposed to pay it? He's in prison. Which is about $2,900 today. Again, uh-huh. how's he supposed to pay it? He's in prison. He has no income. Yes. Don't, not only that, that's that's an insane amount. There's no way, even if he were still working, he made that kind of money. Right. Like, Nine hundred a month nowadays. I yeah. have three kids, and I didn't not even remotely close to that. Mine was closer to one hundred and fifty a month. Yeah, that was kind of my how. How is an unemployed educator in prison going to pay for that? I don't have a clue. So. Being a teacher herself, she became an administrator and was ultimately appointed as principal of the Neat L. Waite School in Norwalk, California. So she had an education and a and a yes and a profession to fall back on. Yes. Good for her. In July Good for her. July of 1952, uh, that's when she was appointed principal. So sadly, she passed away on March 13th of 1956 at just 54 years of age. Now Elliot Thomas himself. Remember, he was sentenced to 113 years. He was paroled from San Quentin on December 19th of 1934. Oh my God, that's it? Just a little over two years in prison. We're gonna, we're gonna sentence you to 100 and some years. You're only gonna have to serve two though. Like you can serve 2%, 2.5% of it. You'll be good. What the hell? I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. He was fully discharged on June 19th of 1937, meaning he wasn't even on probation anymore, which means he got six months of probation after. Oh, my God. On May 6th of 1939, 42-year-old Elliot would marry 38-year-old Linda Kirby. It was the second marriage for both of them. Professionally, what happened next is a little surprising. Oh God, they made him a superintendent again. You know, today, a disgraced educator would most likely never teach. It's kind of like being branded with a scarlet letter. 
but that's not really what happened in 19. <gasps> they made him school board treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> Bank president. After release from prison, he obtained a teaching position at the Porterville, California School District. And in 1943, he was appointed principal of the Woodrow Wilson Elementary School in Oxnard, California. On February 10th of 1949, the district superintendent, Clarence A. Retail, died, and they needed someone to quickly take over the position. Oh, Jesus Christ. Now, just who on staff could they get to fill that role? On February 19th, 1949, it was announced that Elia B. Thomas had been appointed as acting superintendent of the Oxnard District, and it was at that time the Board of Trustees first learned that he had a prison record. So they never even knew he had a prison record. They Here's never the checked thing, on him. If you don't tell them, it's not like now. There's no oh, yeah, exactly or anything else. There's probably no way to really find it if you don't give them the information. So right. Right, that's the thing is, I mean, we're talking 1940s, 1930s. It's not like yeah. you just hop on the internet and plug somebody's name and social security and birth date in and pull up everything they've ever bought in their life. Plus, here's the thing, you guys. He served his time. He's redeemed. Yes, he all 2.5 years of it. He should have just <laughs> let the past go. He's a new man. Oh, I bet he was a new man after Bubba got done with him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was Baba. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Board of Trustees kept their findings hush hush. Oh, Jesus. They received permission from the state that allowed Thomas to continue in his role until the school year ended in June. On May 20th of 1949, under threat by another Oxnard principal, Thomas went straight to the board, told him the whole story. And obviously there was a lot of news in Oxford for a few days, but the district allowed him to stay on as acting superintendent and he had excellent work at the school. So they opted to renew his contract that year as principal. This was a position that Thomas would hold until his retirement in 1956. I just don't even have words at this point. Thomas would continue to play an active part in the Oxford community. His main works with the All-Star Boys Club and the Rotary Club. He had been appointed president of both organizations at different times. Elliot Bull Thomas was 85 years old when he passed away on December 4th of 1981, having completely repaired the life that he so badly damaged. Depends on how you look at it, this could be a perfect example of someone can have forgiveness for their sins. Yeah, no, I see both ways. I honestly do. I mean, he could have just screwed up so royally and then never, he never made any mistakes like that again oh, he no, never no, no, no. made we those can't. choices again we can't say that what we can say is he never got caught for making those mistakes again and we don't know but and they're mean, not mistakes they're choices okay they were they were choices you're right they were he choices. made some really poor choices he did. and yes and i don't know i see it both ways it is entirely possible that he was redeemed he learned from his choices his you know he was sorry so the path he took, but there's also a good chance that he just got smart and didn't get busted again. And that is true too. But we've all I, been young. We've well, all been in love. I, I suspect though the money wise, I suspect people kept a pretty decent eye on the finances at that point. I'm it's sure like, especially when, that, once they became aware properly. Yes, but at the same time, had he not opened his mouth, he would never have gotten busted because he was so good at forging people's signatures. 
Right. I mean, it goes both ways. It does. And you figure the amount of times, like the amount of expenses and things that have to be signed off on? But honestly, as a principal, which is what he did most of the time, that's not controlling the finances. I mean, you no. have your school, but those finances are very specific. Well, all right. I don't know how they did it in the 30s. They probably just threw a pile of money at a school and said, spend it how you're going to spend it. No, seriously. But now it's like everything, like every dollar has to be spent towards something specific. So if you need new furniture, if you've got extra money for what's consumables, like books and stuff, sorry, you can't do that. I know you don't need any more of this category, but you can't use that money for what you do need. And if you don't use that money, you lose, you it. lose it. So then schools are forced to actually buy stuff they don't need. We'd get notes at the end of the year, every school year. We have a bunch of extra money left and we have to use it. Otherwise, next year they cut our budget down because we didn't spend all of our money and they can use it in another school. So I know nobody needs something very specific in this category, but if you have a wish list, I got lots of stuff that way. I was always um, jumping on that because I'm like, I'll be the first one to be like, hey. I'll spend your money. I'll spend your yeah. money. I can find stuff for it, but but yeah, yeah I'd be we, like, don't, no. we don't know. We don't know how it was in 1930. Yeah, so my guess is that. my guess is they probably just gave them like a budget and said, you have X amount of money, how you spend it is up to you. Wow, that was a crazy story. I know. It is. Like part and of nobody it, died. I know. <laughs> but part of it, part of it was like, oh yeah, I can see this coming. And part of it, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what the hell? I know, I like doing it I knew he wasn't kidnapped. It was like, no way. Nope. Nope. So my original first thought was, oh my gosh, this is awful. But then the more details, it was like, the details are getting more and more outrageous. And I thought, bullshit. And then when she gets to the part where it's like, there's no blood. And I'm like, yeah, I'm calling absolute bullshit on this. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to learn how to tell a different story. <laughs> Or you're going to have to warn us ahead of time. Don't make guesses if you don't want us to tell people. Oh, no. Mary knows. I always guess. And sometimes I'm pretty accurate. And sometimes I'm so fucking far off. She always does. Always. I always guess, Lynn. I've always got up because my mind is suspicious. It's all good. All good. You know? We're describing the girl, though. You know, you go to the store and somebody has like 17 gallons of milk and four gallons of ice cream and 27 loaves of bread and a container of kale. I'm like, why are they buying kale? <laughs> I'm oblivious normally in public. I pay zero attention to other people around me and don't notice very much. Oh no, I'm, I'm a very suspicious person. Oh, Suspicious of everybody. I can vouch for that. <laughs> How is she suspicious of me? I was going to say, is that why she pats me down every time I come to her house? I feel like, <laughs> I think she's coming in for a hug and then she slides her hands down my outsides and up the insides of my legs. And I'm like, is my sister coming in here? No, she's checking me for weapons and wires. It's not so much the weapons, it's the wires I'm concerned about. Weapons and wires, it's our new podcast. Weapons <laughs> and wires. Weapons and wires. Oh. Three oh, women, women, weapons and wires. 
There you go. Got wine, weapons, and lawyers. Ooh, Ooh wines, Ooh. weapons, and lawyers. Well, I, you know, people, I, people would listen just to see who dies. <laughs> Which one of us gets killed first? Can we add a fourth and weapons? Can we add whips in there? Ooh, hell yeah. And has come out on Wednesday. <laughs> Which Wednesday? <laughs> Every Wednesday. <laughs> Which oh my gosh, you guys. Which witch did you mean by that witch? <laughs> we gotta have a fun episode once in a while. <clears throat> this was a good episode. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I think we become, one of us needs to become a PI and we need to start a business. I don't even know what we need to investigate. <clears throat> we could have a lot of fun. You move to Michigan, we'll start a coffee bar with a PI business in the back. Oh my gosh, that's the best. And we could figure out a name for it to incorporate that. Women, whips, weapons, and wires. And wires. And whips. Don't forget the whips. We'll put that in exclamation points. No, the no, end. that would be parentheses, not Parent. exclamation points. Oh, we might have an exclamation point in there. She wants it in all capitals with a different font, exclamation point, bright red. Or whipped cream because it's a coffee place and we'd put whipped cream on top of their coffee. Their coffee. We'd put whipped cream on their coffee. Ladies, let's wrap this up. All right. All right. Let's wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today, everyone. <laughs> what was she was talking about? <laughs> you going to bust out in a wrap? I was trying to. It wasn't working in my brain. <laughs> yeah. 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 What were you going to wrap about? I hadn't figured that part out yet. <laughs> no? No. Little MC Hammer. Trying. Some M&M. Yeah, do something. Come on, Mary. Yeah. You got it. Do it. Come on. I like the big butts and I cannot lie. That's not really rap, is it? I know it's not. I'm not a rapper. I don't do rap. Did you hear about the new M&M's? Now you just brought up M&M? Oh, that they don't have high heels anymore because they're They're trying to be more inclusive? They're changing their shoes and shit. Yeah, the women don't wear high heels anymore. I saw that. I'm making them a little less funny. I'm like, why? Because they want to. It's It's their brand. Do what you want. Do what you want. I don't I know, but you know what? Sometimes women like to feel feminine. And sometimes we just like to be flat out slutty. So give us our heels. And sometimes men need to feel feminine too. That's right. So give him his heels. I, I, whatever. Oh, I'm we had a huge like debate about this at the table the other day. Okay. Anyway. Ooh, all, right, all right. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We really loved having you here with us today. I love being here today. I love being here today. <laughs> we love having you here today. <laughs> it was uh, a great our audience day. may not love cool. some of it. <laughs> <laughs> we always love having you with us, Lynn. If you have suggestions, ideas, comments, critiques, story ideas, if you um song requests, if you, if you embezzled and trashed your <laughs> office and faked your kidnapping, we'd love to hear from you. Yes, yes, do tell. We won't tell anyone ever. It'll be our little secret. <laughs> anyway, my th- eyes are falling out of my head right now. 
just have your drink, just drink your drink and call it good. Be quiet. You just, to, you just drink over there. Trying to catch up to you. Well, I can't help that you talk and I drink. Okay. And I just watch and listen. I know you're drinking too. You're drinking too. So you just. I did. I switched. I switched. I'm now, I'm now drinking. I should tell the people Braganini Petite Pearl from uh, St. Julian's collection at St. Julian's. It is yummy, licious red wine. It is. We won't tell her her she already shared that. I know. I didn't share it. I did share it with you guys, but not, I don't think I shared it with these guys. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. I'm not putting any money on either side. I'm right in the middle. We hope that you enjoyed your time with us today. I hope I enjoyed my time (laughs) with you today. (laughs) Donna needs a tissue. <laughs> We're gonna say goodbye to these guys. They're like, just let's go. It's like the kid at the end of the class waiting for the bell to ring. They're just like their books are in their hand and their foot is out the desk, and they're like, I'm going. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. <laughs> I hope our audience thinks this is as funny as we do. Holy crap. Okay. Okay. All right, take it out. She's getting another glass. You can find us on Facebook at Murder, Mischief, and Moscato. Yeah, read faster. <laughs> you can find us at Mischief and Moscato at gmail.com. That word and is spelled out. You can find us on Twitter at Murder Moscato. Feel free to reach out to us at any time. We do all of our own PR work, our own social media work. So if you reach out, you will be connecting most likely with me, but we are happy to hear with you and interact with you. We love, love, love our listeners. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast. You can leave us a rating and a review. It'll take you about 60 seconds and it's free to do. It is honestly the greatest thing you can do for us. Greatest thing. Other than sharing us with the people that you know and love, or people you don't know and don't or like. Or a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Send us a million dollars. You know, there's yeah. actually a link on our anchor. You can feel free to monetarily support us. We don't <laughs> ask. But if you're so inclined. You got money you don't know what to do with. We'll you know, you. listen, if you're on your deathbed and you don't have a family to leave your money to, feel free to donate it to us. Or if you don't we'll like your family. Use. If you don't like your family or you like us more than your family, we uh we're not above accepting donations. <laughs> oh, we are pretty much everywhere. You can find us on all of the major streaming platforms, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, you can also find us on most of the small podcast streaming platforms. If you know of one we're not on, let us know. We will work to get ourselves added. I think she's deliberately talking really fast so we can't get any zingers in. I'm working on it. I'm trying to get us out the door here, ladies. I have a thought for the day, though, when you're done. No, no, Lynn. No, no, no. Mary, overrule her. Yes. (laughs) You've been overruled. My thought of the day is actually four thoughts. (laughs) It's four. We're not there yet. Be quiet. Okay. Please feel free to share our podcast with anyone and everyone. 
your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, your family, the people you don't know, people on the bus, people on the bus. If you, ooh, if you're an Uber driver or a Lyft driver, play that shit on repeat, man. Podcast is co-hosted <laughs> by Hannah Green, Lynn Samuels, and Mary Swartz. Is yeah. Musketeers? We are three real life sisters who all absolutely adore it's each three other. Snicker bars. <laughs> Jesus, who needs three Snicker bars? Oh, I do. <laughs> Only if they're fun sized, but not the new flavors. I tried the brownie one. It's gross. And Brennan bought me some other weird one. I don't remember. Cinnamon bun. If you have not tried the cinnamon bun, no. it is disgusting. No. It is Snicker, no. <laughs> it's, um, it's like fake flavoring. So chemically nasty. Here's the deal. Things. Listen, <laughs> we're going to change this podcast podcast name to Murder, Mischief, and Hana Drinks. Because <laughs> you two are cut the fuck off. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Rabbit hole much later. <laughs> you brought Mary brought up stickers. <laughs> We do all of our own research. We write all of our own stories. We are human and we do make mistakes. So despite the fact that our stories are completely 100% true, if you notice a mistake or a correction that needs to be made, please feel free to reach out and contact us. Our feelings will not be hurt and we would be happy to make that correction. Lynn, you've said you have a final thought. I'm a little afraid to ask, but go for it. Or quotes from Dr. Seuss. These aren't my quotes, these are his. A person is a person, no matter how small. Amen. Next, Amen. step with great care and great tact. And remember, life's a great balancing act. Great care, great tact for each other. Number three, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And number four, fun is good. We hope you had fun. I did. So did I. So did I. And you know what, ladies? No matter what, I love you. I love you. you And my final thought of the day is this. A change of perspective can change everything in an instant. Hallelujah. Have a wonderful day, everyone. We love you guys. Yes. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.